Dr. Geneva Speaks. Thank you for tuning in to Dr. Geneva Speaks, where you'll hear amazing leaders from across the nation and around the world. Your host, Dr. Geneva Williams, a cutting-edge, transformational leadership coach, hopes and believes this show will enlighten, entertain, and inspire you to make a difference in the world. So listen up as Dr. Geneva Speaks. Hello, everyone. This is Geneva, and welcome as we take a look into the heads and hearts of leaders and the greater purpose they inspire in others. You know, our show features conversations with top leaders for folk to hear about and explore the thinking of today's CEOs of corporations or presidents of nonprofits and chief of everything entrepreneurs who are leading their market, their organization, and making an impact on the community. And we hope you'll listen and learn and discover the obstacles these leaders face, the failures they bounce back from, and the personal stories behind each of these successful women and men. Let's learn today what makes them tick and what ticks them off hear what breaks their heart and what they're doing about it. And today's guest, I'm so delighted, is author, speaker, coach, Dr. Cheryl Barnes. She's a specialist in strategic planning, personal and professional goal setting, and leadership development. Cheryl is the CEO of Sterling Xavier Consultant Group, LLC, And her firm provides executive coaching and professional training and development services to a wide, very long list of organizations and institutions. Known for her speeches, seminars, and workshops that inspire personal excellence, Dr. Cheryl is certified in true colors, system thinking, and applied strategic planning. And we're going to talk to her about all of that. Dr. Cheryl has taught educational psychology, philosophy, ethics, and theology in higher education, and she holds a Ph.D. in education and a Ph.D. in philosophy. Dr. Barnes is an award-winning author of several books, including 10 Gifts to Give Yourself. And Dr. Cheryl, how are you? And it's a gift that you're with us this evening. Good evening, Dr. Geneva. I'm so honored to be on your show tonight. Thank you. Now, you know, you have such an impressive background. Uh, could What did I leave out about uh, what you do for others and what you do in leadership? Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Oh, I, I think you covered it pretty well. Uh, the only thing I can, I can think of, uh, let's see. My, perhaps my ministry role, because that is so much um, just embedded and infused in everything that I do. I see people as spiritual beings first, and for that reason, mm-hmm. it makes it a lot easier for me to honor them as individuals, and then we move on to whatever their issues and concerns are. But I think you covered my background pretty well, so thank you for that. Well, I know that was one thing I mentioned. I understand that uh, you're certified in uh, true colors, system thinking, and strategic planning. What's all that about? So so tell us 
what are those things and what do they do and how can they help leaders and those aspiring to be leaders? Okay, great, yes. Um, my certification in True Colors dates back to, I think, around 1994 or so. Uh, I was an administrator in the Ann Arbor Public Schools District in Michigan, and we had a speaker, a presenter come in and go through this temperament assessment that was called True Colors. I, I just absolutely fell in love with it because it allowed me to understand my own unique temperament and then to get a better understanding of those that I work with. Uh, and I was mm-hmm. so impressed. I took my own money, flew down to Texas, and obtained two certifications in that, and just recently was recertified. So True Colors is, is a metaphor for the different ways that individuals process information, take information in, and then the different ways that they make decisions. And it's unique, you know, for different people. Uh, it rests mm-hmm. heavily on the work of uh, Myers-Briggs, which many people okay. are familiar with as well. And I'm, I'm a certified Myers-Briggs uh, type indicator practitioner as well. But you said, mm-hmm. what, you know, how was that useful in terms of the work I do with developing leaders? And I find that it's, it's critical. The more that a leader knows about him or herself, the better able they are to appreciate the differences and the unique qualities and characteristics of those that they are leading and working with. And that's true for the the other certifications and applied strategic planning and some other things that I do. Everything, I believe, begins with the individual knowing something about themselves, and then they can move through any number of tools or processes or methodologies. But what makes them effective is them having a good understanding of who they are and then extending that outward. Mm-hmm. And and why is that so important in your experience? I know I, I happen to believe as well that leadership starts with self-development, you understanding yourself, what your values are, and, and that way you can um, be a more effective uh leader of people, but but what's your view on that? Why is understanding self so important, or, or, or is it? You know, I really do believe that it is, Dr. Geneva, and I, the best way to answer that is, unfortunately, to think of some of the horror stories <laughs> of really mm-hmm. bad leadership, unfortunately, that I've seen over the years, okay. uh, and contrasting mm-hmm. that with really outstanding leadership. When a leader... Okay does not really know who he or she is uh, and has some insecurities that have not been dealt with or, or maybe some wounds or some, some experiences in their past that have not been resolved. Or let's just say they really don't understand their unique temperament. There is often a tendency for that person to project the way they see life, the way uh, they take in information, the way they make decisions, their style, Uh, they project that onto other people, and that is almost always disastrous. It may work Mm -hmm. with uh, the two or three people that are almost identical to them in temperament, uh, but then the other people, they will have a tendency to dishonor by mislabeling the differences as being inferior or they can say a person is uncooperative or not interested. So bottom line is they they can come to some wrong conclusions because they don't know enough about uh, that their view is just that, their view, um, and in not 
honoring who they are within the context of we're all different, they often are more prone to to make errors in how they assess other people. So often it just devolves into a dictatorship or my way or the highway, or when people are not willing or ready to leave their position and have to uh, work under someone or work with someone with that leadership style, they lose their energy, morale is often just right down the tubes, and it can make for dysfunction and toxicity in that work mm-hmm. environment. So you're not getting the best out of, of out of your team. Mm-hmm. So, so I think you mentioned that you've seen both sides of leadership. You saw some, yes. you know, you've experienced or worked with some horrendous uh, leadership styles, and then you've seen some positive. Can you tell us about that? And, you know, you don't have to name names, uh, but we certainly okay. would like to, uh, you know, so give us give us a comparison and contrast. Help, help us understand what leadership looks like when it's in its, its not good form, its bad form, and when it's in its great form. Okay, and and thank you for that. Rather than just to you know to speak about generalities, which I think all people would agree, you know we've heard of things. But from an, an experience, uh, experiential engagement, I had a boss not for very long <laughs> because I, I did not say who was. Um, let's see, he would do things such as literally scream at my coworkers. Mm. Uh, which okay. was intimidating. They would be nervous. I've seen people cry. Uh, and because I am just not the kind of person who would tolerate being screamed at, he must have sensed that. We never had a conversation. He just never raised his voice with me. Mm-hmm. I, I think it has mm-hmm. to do with uh, nonverbal communication. There's a look that you can give <laughs> sometimes mm-hmm. that lets people know I'm, I'm, I'm not the one. But I was psychologically mm-hmm. prepared uh, to defend myself, but I, it was still toxic in seeing those around me just seem as if they were always walking on eggshells. Um, mm-hmm. it, it just was not a good environment, and people were so busy trying to uh, avoid confrontation that it just was it was not it was not a good situation. So as I mentioned, I didn't stay there for a, a long period of time. I, I moved on to a, to other kinds of uh, employment mm-hmm. situations. Mm-hmm. By contrast, so, so, okay, please. Yes, I was going to say, uh, one of the best persons I have ever worked for in my life, I, I want to mention his name, but I won't, uh, back in mm-hmm. Michigan, he, oh my goodness, he was such a strong leader, and what made him an effective leader is that okay. he empowered each of us to do the things that we were um, hired to do, we were credentialed to do, we had experience with, and yet we always knew that there was room to make error as a part of our growth. So if you, you know, didn't do something quite right, you were not uh, ever humiliated, you were never embarrassed. Uh, it was always the kind of uh, situation where it would be addressed and in a way where you were motivated to get it right and to do better. Uh, when mm-hmm. I would come, in, come to work in the morning, I could tell that he was in the building, and our office was uh, a series of was a small office to begin with, small staff, maybe about 10 of us. I could tell that he was in that day because I could hear his laughter. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it just was a, a very light, uh, upbeat environment, and this was a brilliant man. 
And uh, I, I've seen him hold his own when he was challenged by his peers, and yet we knew that we were always free to do our best, um, to learn more, uh, to be encouraged. It, it, it was just his style of affirming people and letting you mm-hmm. do your job while not micromanaging individuals. If he said you know how to do something and you said yes, it was his expectation mm-hmm. that you would get it done. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I love that kind of freedom, and, and so did Michael Wilson. Mm-hmm. And and so when you when you think about that that great leader or great leadership that you saw and and so what he did he his communication skills evidently were you know very good and he created this environment that was affirming and empowering and uh, gave you the autonomy to to do your thing and to do your job and so that was. Those are some key things that you're saying make up great leaders and great leadership. It, it really does. I think it really does make a difference. We were all professionals. Uh, another thing that he did um, was it was a sense of empathy within the mm-hmm. uh, within the structure. And what I mean by that is there were several people who had families and children, um, and you always knew that you had the liberty to take care of what you need to take care of. So if there was an emergency with your child, it was not a problem. We could leave, go take care of that, get the work done. We could work on occasion from home. And so he himself, because he was a father, although his children were adults and he had grandchildren, we always knew that family mattered to him and that that was mm-hmm. one of his values that okay. found its way into the work environment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so it made it easy for you to want to make up work. You know, if you had to leave, you exactly. were motivated. Exactly, exactly. Be excellent, yes. So, so how do you, I know you do uh, a lot of development with organizations, with clients, a lot of coaching. How, how do you coach um, an individual who was in the other situation that you talked about, not so great leadership. You know, we heard about him, you know, he didn't seem to create an environment that was conducive to empowerment and he screamed and his communication skills weren't the best. If you were coaching someone or, you know, how how do you deal or how do you um, handle that kind of leadership style? How do you handle it? Well, I've handled it, as you mentioned, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I I had to leave that environment. And when I'm coaching someone who's in a similar situation, we put all of those options uh, out on the table, so to speak. And and let me just Mm -hmm. explain, under under the umbrella of coaching, coaching is based on the premise that the answers reside within the person that I'm coaching. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so a person always always knows on some level what they really want to do about a situation. Mm-hmm. I can coach them okay. to help them uncover and discover of, of the various options that are before them, what is the best fit for them. But I'm doing more of a prompting for them to reveal what's in their heart. It's different than consulting, which I've done for years. When I'm brought in as a consultant, 
I am coming in with a certain expertise where I can pretty much solve the problem and, and show you how to get it done. But when I coach mm-hmm. an individual, they are the expert. The answers mm-hmm. already reside in them, and I help facilitate them weighing, should I leave, should I stay, how can I be more empowered in this situation, mm-hmm. can I renegotiate my relationship okay. with that person so we have some brand new boundaries that are not going to be violated. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. that I literally do that now because I do have clients that are exactly in that kind of a situation where mm-hmm. it, it's painful for them, but by them recognizing the power that is within them and the same mm-hmm. kind of a thing, who are they, what are their strengths, what do they bring to the organization as they feel empowered, they change how they communicate and it's interesting because I do believe we train people on how to treat us as we are stronger and more self-aware. People can sense that, and if they can't sense it, then we can certainly have a conversation so that we can come to a mutual understanding of what is and what is not acceptable. Mm-hmm. So the power lies within our within ourselves, and again, you know, we keep circling back to self-development and knowing yourself as a leader, and you've given us some great, great tips. So to our listening audience, if you're just tuning in, we are talking with Dr. Cheryl Barnes, author, speaker, coach, specialist in strategic planning and uh, leadership development, and award-winning author. And, you know, Dr. Cheryl, I want to talk about your, talk a little bit about your book, one of your books, um, Ten Gifts to Give Yourself. Tell us about that. No, don't tell us about it. Tell us about what you think is the number one gift you can give yourself. Okay. The number one gift of the ten that I write about in the book is the gift Mm -hmm. of self-acceptance. The gift Mm, of self-acceptance. I I recommend when people read the book, they can read the book in any order they want. They can start with any of the gifts. But I I strongly recommend that they open up, metaphorically speaking, the gift of self-acceptance because if you don't truly move to a place where you accept everything about you, including your, Mm -hmm. your failures, your shortcomings, your accomplishments, your height, your size, your weight, your education, your lack of education, until you accept that, you cannot move to being self-actualized and moving on to the fulfillment of your dreams because you become your own enemy. You're constantly berating yourself for, I should have done that. I should, I should be this size. I wish I had accomplished that. You've got to just stand in the moment and stand in the truth and say, I am here right now, and this is good enough. I am mm-hmm. good enough right here, right now, and I accept who I am, all of it, the good, the bad, and the questionable. <laughs> yes, and, and and particularly those difficult times, the questionable. Now, in your leadership journey, in your career, in your life, as, as you have, you know, grown in your leadership, uh, can you tell us about a time that you struggled with this uh, issue of, of self-acceptance or something you were struggling with in this area, and, and how did you give your gift to yourself? 
Well, now you know the answer to that is yes, and I'll cut straight to the the chase because I actually talk about it in the book. Uh, I attended the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor many, many years ago, and I wanted to be a medical doctor. I wanted to be a neurosurgeon, and I am not a medical doctor. I have three doctorates, Mm -hmm. and none of them are in medicine. And so Mm -hmm. for years, I beat myself up because I did not go to medical school. I just wouldn't cut myself any slack. And finally, one day in prayer, I was kind of, what was me in that place? And uh, in conversation with the Lord, he said, go to medical school or don't go to medical school, but either way, move on. I was so startled to hear that (laughs) that I realized, ooh, um, a little bit of time has passed and I I don't want to go to medical school. So I had Uh to forgive myself for, number one, beating myself up over the fact that I had not gone. You know, years Mm -hmm. later, as a minister, the Lord told me that that I absolutely do deal with the heart and that although my passions were neurosurgery and cardiology, I feel like I'm a spiritual cardiologist and maybe a spiritual neurologist because if you've got some nerve problems, there's an answer spiritually. And if your heart is mm-hmm. dead or broken, there is absolutely a spiritual answer for that as well. But I had mm-hmm. to accept the fact that I had not uh, even applied to medical school and that I had not accomplished that. It took me years to get over that. Okay. All right. So, so what helped you get over it? You say it's, it's number one, the, so the what, Lord, what? <laughs> my conversation, and then moving into okay. that place of self acceptance. When He said to uh, me, "You can uh-huh. go, you can go or not go, but move on," I realized mm-hmm. that I had a choice, as we all do. One of the greatest gifts that we receive is the gift of free will. I could have chosen to, to you know, to have gone to apply to medical school at that point. That's when I realized, mm-hmm. wow, I really don't want to do that now. I want to, mm-hmm. you know, continue on with some other things in my life. So mm-hmm. how I got over it was saying, I have the power to make this choice. And I know that sounds so simple on the surface, Dr. Geneva, but in every mm-hmm. moment of every day, we can choose even what we think about. So we can go over and rehearse our failures, our shortcomings, who left us, who didn't take us to the prom, and on and on and on. Or we can choose, uh, as it states in Philippians 4 and 8, you know, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, we we can choose to think about those things that are praiseworthy. We can think about our blessings. We can remember the accomplishments. That the Lord mm-hmm. has allowed us to have. It's a choice mm-hmm. every moment of every day we can choose. Mm-hmm. So, what else is in your uh, goodie bag of gifts? Can you share another uh, gift that we should give, your, give ourselves, especially a gift that would help us become uh, better leaders? What's what's in your yes. your bag oh, of for leadership? I think uh, the gift that I would recommend for those who are interested in being better leaders is the gift of balance. Um, Often we we say yes to too many people. We say yes Mm. to too many obligations. And a good leader absolutely has to have time 
um, for restoration, for thinking, okay. for mm-hmm. preparation, and for renewal. Because okay. leaders are often pouring out and building up other people. We have to have time when we are being poured back into uh, socially, spiritually, emotionally. So you may need time. You need to go to the ballet this weekend, or you need to go to the park with a friend. Uh, And so that's going to mean in order to say yes to your highest self, you're going to have to say no to some other people who are are not going to like you for that, but that balance and boundaries uh, is a self-care kind of a decision. So leaders Mm -hmm. have to weigh what's the most important things that they need to accomplish and how they need best, and that usually involves some rest, recreation, restoration. Ah, okay. So rest, recreation, and restoration, those three R's. Those are some good three R's. Yes, they are. (laughs) Yes. Well, well, Dr. Cheryl, you know, we just have a a minute or so uh, left, and and before um, we say thank you to you for, you know, your tips and advice, I'd really like to ask you, what what is going to be your leadership legacy? Oh, my goodness. Dr. Geneva, I I Mm -hmm. pray that my leadership legacy will be built on uh, me encouraging people to be servant leaders, to be Christ-like. Okay. And I okay. say that because for me, besides being my, my friend and my redeemer, he truly is my role model of leadership. He knew exactly mm-hmm. what his mission was, and he stayed true to his mission all the way to its completion. It's easy to call ourselves me included, it's easy to call yourself a leader until it gets really rough and rocky. When you can lead through the times of opposition, when the troops Uh turn on you, (laughs) when the Mm -hmm. troops threaten to kill Mm -hmm. you, and you -hmm. you still are committed to their best interests and committed to the mission Mm -hmm. that you have Mm -hmm. chosen to, you know, to aspire Mm -hmm. to, um, that's priceless. And I personally believe that it requires a power higher than your own. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and I, I probably want to get you back again on our on a, one of our shows where we can really talk about it. I was thinking about a, a topic, something like leadership isn't a beauty pageant. <laughs> you know, something like <laughs> where we can really... You know, we can really talk about how it's not about, you know, the glory and the spotlight, that leadership is really hard work, dedication, uh, keeping that balance that you talk about. And um, so we're going to have you back, and, and we'll talk about that and and some other things that are of interest. You know, before we go, I do want our uh, listening audience to um hear about, I understand that you're having a Valentine's Royal Vision Board Retreat. Is that right? Yes. Yes, I am. Yes. Tell us about that quickly. We only have a couple minutes, but tell us about that. Okay, I will. This coming Saturday, which will be February 13th, we'll be having our second annual Valentine's Royal Vision Board Retreat, and it's sold out. I, I'm, I'm just thrilled. Oh, uh, but what we do, wonderful. yes, 
what we do is come together in my uh, suite in Woodbridge, Connecticut, and we put uh-huh. together our vision boards for the year. Um, okay. It's tied into that, the Valentine theme is dealing with what's in your heart. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. from there, the word vision uh, in Hebrew means revelation. So we're not just collecting pictures and images of things that we want. We're really trying to tap into what has been placed in your heart spiritually that is calling you, that is your passion, which is why you're, you know, you're interested in it because it, you, it's in you. It will never go away. As we mm-hmm. encourage people to get that out of their heart and down onto their vision board and, and look at it on a regular basis, they have reported back that many of the things that they hope for come to pass. And the reason for that is your life is going to go in the direction of your dominant thought. So if you're looking at positive Uh, things, uh, you mm -hmm. will move toward them. There's an energy that compels you to move in the direction of what you think about. Uh Uh-huh. So so thinking positively moves you in that direction. Yeah, that's that's a beautiful thing. Well, well, good good luck, and and we'll stay tuned for next year's uh, vision retreat, uh, vision board retreat for those of us of us who would like to come and and register with you and and be there. And such a creative idea. Um, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Cheryl Barnes, for being with us and giving us some tips and some gifts. And we appreciate uh, those gifts and and being with you and and best of everything to you and to our listening audience. We can't thank you enough for joining us again today. And, of course, if you have comments or ideas about leaders you'd like to hear from, let us know. As you know, we feature conversation with top, top leaders for leaders, and we hope that this conversation will refresh you, guide you, and inspire you on your journey to greater purpose. Thanks for tuning in to Dr. Geneva Speaks. Dr. Geneva Williams, an expert facilitator and leadership coach, lecturer, and keynote speaker. For more information on Dr. Geneva, visit her online at www.drgenevaspeaks.com. That's drgenevaspeaks.com.